Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson, and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared. Good morning. Today's episode, I want to talk about my mother. Why, you might ask. I want to explain how she has really been at the source of what what I do now and why I do it. So it's it's not just a moment of celebration of going, you know, hey, mom, you inspired me to do these things with the wonderful things you did, because that's not entirely true. Whilst with age, like her growing age and my growing age, I have come to terms and valued her so much more than I used to because we are so different as people. It wasn't really admiration for what she did that has driven me, rather the opposite. Let me let me be clear about this. My mother has the most amazing personality. So she, she has a stroke, she's got mild versions of dementia, her speech is impaired, but she still lights up the home where she lives. She's been there, she's outlived all of the residents so far. She's been there since she was 89, she's now 94 this year, she's 93 at the moment. She lights up the place, everybody loves her. She has this ability to to just laugh and and has the most infectious laugh and is generally good humoured and good natured. That's her magic. But growing up with her, obviously, when you're parents, you don't always see the magic. You see them when they're, but not that you know it at the time, when they're depressed, when they're low, when they're struggling with menopause um, and all kinds of other stuff. But what I particularly saw in my mother that drives me now was that when I was in my teens, so I'm the youngest of three by a long stretch. So my brothers, I have two brothers, are seven and a half and nine and a half years older than me. So, you know, they were already at school. My older brother, before I started first school, was already in senior school. In fact, they both were. Um, and so I experienced my mother at a different stage of life than they did. And also they're boys, you know, boys. Um, not that I'm denigrating boys. I have lots of boys in my family, but you know, they just don't always quite see things the same way. So it actually felt like I was in many ways a, a single child. So I benefited from that a lot. Of course I did, not that I knew that. But I was passionate and vocal. You know, I was drawn to 
feminism in my teens. And my, my mum had me when she was 34. So by the time I was in my teens, I'm just like digress, like she was into her 50s or, or heading that way. So, you know, you can see how menopause and my teens hitting at the same time. Many of you will be experiencing this. Not a good combination. And so obviously my opinion and my perspective of what was going on for my mother was coloured by all of that as her opinion and perspective on me was also coloured. However, here's what I really saw. I saw a woman that wanted more for herself, that deserved more, but she'd bought into what she perceived society said she should do, what her parents probably expected her to do, what the generations before her had probably done, which is, you're married, you stick with it. A phrase she often used was, you've made your bed, now lie in it. In other words, tough. If things don't work out quite the way you'd planned in life, you're just stuck with them which is awfully fatalistic or stoical, as my ex-husband used to say. And it may serve, that kind of attitude may serve you well when it is just like a, a small obstacle in work or a relationship that you just need to move past. But she took it to the nth degree. Like you weren't entitled to ever live the life you wanted because you couldn't change your mind. You couldn't change your mind. That was it, you decided. And I know she ached to do so many things. And she did an incredible thing, which was inspirational and still as she did an incredible thing. So despite being of that mindset and living up to that, you know, she stayed at home, she looked after us kids, she did part-time work to bring in extra income. She worked and she cleaned and she, she did everything. You know, it was a very old fashioned marriage where my dad would do the man things, but they weren't quite so common and daily, like mowing the lawn, painting the fence, or wallpapering the bedroom. You know, that's not every day. Whereas my mum would go to work, look after the kids, get us all up, make us breakfast, make us lunch, make us dinner, do the shopping, do everything. I mean, her life was hard. But when I was 14, I think, she, obviously had had a bit of a dream that I think, I'm guessing here, I think linked to wartime when she fell in love with an American GI and it clearly didn't work out. She ended up marrying my dad, who's not an American GI. But I think that might have been the little spark that drove her. And also her very, very, very best friend from war, wartime, who remained her very, very, very best friend, had left the UK and gone to live in the States because she was a GI bride. So my mum had obviously decided she was going to the States. So despite everything I've said, there was something in her that says, now I'm going, I'm going. And she must have squirreled away money to save for this trip. And she was, as I said, I was 14. She had me when she was 34, so she was late forties. And she'd never, been to the state. In fact, I don't think she'd even been. Oh, oh she'd been abroad on a, maybe a couple of um, swimming sport-related trips with with me. You know, because I was a swimmer. But those were just into France or into Holland. 
this was the first time she'd ever done a long haul flight and and she'd, she'd ever done anything on her own in my experience like this was just unbelievable so she booked her flight thanks to those of you of my generation will remember the amazing freddie laker who changed the landscape of the cost of flying across the atlantic forever and he made it affordable and i think that's what gave her that glint she thought i can do this i can do this and she scrolled and she saved and she went on a trip for what was actually only two weeks it was a holiday but she went on her own she took greyhound buses because she didn't have a huge budget she took greyhound buses across the states she just traveled from state to state she'd never been on greyhound buses she didn't know these places she was going to she didn't apart from the friends who she did stop and see she didn't just stay there no she was traveling she was experiencing she was really doing what she wanted for once in her life she put herself first for once and that was very very important to me because i knew and it frustrated the hell out of me and this is how we ended up in conflict because you know my dad was beside himself by the way while she was away he was like a a bereft labrador padding around the house not knowing what to do with himself um i digress so this thing though it inspired me also made me mad with her because it it showed me there was a spark within her that said i'm worth more i want more i can do more i'm brave i'm courageous and i'm gonna do this incredible thing and i don't care what anybody else thinks this is for me i need this and that was powerful but the person I saw most of the time and she came back and she just slotted right back in and she went back to, to all of that, make your bed, lie in it, you know, this is what you do, this is how your life is, this is, you just have to accept it and, and get on with it. But it frustrated the hell out of me because although she had that mindset, she was clearly not happy in the relationship. She was constantly and it could have been hormonal as i say depression menopause all of that would have been going on because she had a hysterectomy about mm, about the same sort of time so she would have been plunged into menopause and and so that would have influenced how she was but she just seemed to me constantly moody and although she did everything for all of us we you know we was like living in a hotel i know mothers joke about that but honestly, we did nothing. We did occasional bit of washing up, maybe. When, when she was away, I would be the one in the hoover round. But my, my brothers had gone by then. She did everything. She cooked, she cleaned, everything. But grudgingly, there was a deep-seated resentment within her that made me mad. To me, she was being a martyr. And I felt at that time in my teenage anger that she expected me to sympathize with this martyrdom, which just made me mad, made me angry because all I could think was why, 
do you think that I should be sympathetic and supportive of you when you're not doing what you want? If you don't want this relationship, why are you in it? If you don't want to be, you know, in this house cooking and cleaning and doing all those things, if you want to be out there doing some of the things that she kind of, she would go to little classes here and there, like Cordon Bleu cookery, those were were her little moments of escape, her little pockets of what we now call self-care. But it was like she was this magnificent creature, like a tiger contained within walls that she had created. And as a teenager, it made me mad. And I didn't want that for myself. I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to do this. And I haven't. But now I'm at that age, I'm older now than she was then. And as I say, I've come to terms with with recognising the value of who she is and and what she's given us. Um, But I still see her in this care home because when my dad died, it's like she came alive. She stopped caring for everybody else. And she started doing all the things she wanted to do. She went to dance classes. She went to badminton. She went on archeological trips with a group of other people. She hung out with people who were in their thirties and people who were in their seventies. She was never home. She was having a blast, buying the things she wanted in her house. Finally, in her seventies, she began to live. But fate took a turn again. She had four short years before a stroke robbed her of her capacity to do all of those things. But she still had the most amazing spirit that got her to somehow, with an incapacitated right side of her body, get herself the strength to build the strength to walk at such a slow pace to the post box that people would stop and go, oh, are you all right? Do you you need me to take you somewhere? (laughs) That was her dogged persistence. But it still makes me sad because this is why I am so driven to enable women in midlife to start really living life on their terms. Because I don't want for anyone, not me, not for you, not for her. I don't want people to wait, to go, oh yeah, well, I can't do it now because the children need me. I can't do it now because my parents need me. I can't do it now because my partner needs me. You have to take your time. Nobody will suffer. My dad coped when my mum went to the States. People do cope. People can cope. They don't all really need you as much as they say they do or they want you to believe or that you want to believe. Don't condense your life into tiny pockets that are a Pilates class or having your nails done, or an occasional weekend away with the girls. Don't allow your life, you know, you're working potentially at some business that you want to be more, and it might just be small at the moment, but don't diminish it, don't allow it to be diminished. Don't allow your light to be diminished by anything. People will still love you. If they loved you in the first place, they'll still love you. 
you'd be amazed at how people can adapt when you finally figure out how to get what you want and start making it happen. The responses you get are way different to what you might think they are. And my mum never took that chance. And it still makes me sad because she's now been incapacitated physically for 17 years, 17 years of her life. So effectively, from the moment she got married in her early 20s to the moment my dad died in her early 70s, she basically spent four years doing what she wanted. Is that really how any of us want to live? She's still amazing. I'm not, although this may sound like a long criticism of my mother, I'm no longer critical. I am in awe of her, but it does make me sad. It makes me really sad. That's not what I choose. And I hope that's not what you choose either. If you're listening, it isn't what you choose. You know that your life could be bigger, fuller, that there are things you want, even if you don't know what those are right now, because your judgment is clouded with anxiety and stress and mood swings and depression at the core of you. You're listening to this and you're doing the things you do because you know there's something more that you want to do, even if you don't know what it is. So if that's you, you are one of the core people that I seek to help chart a path through this on your terms. So that's today's episode. It's all about you. even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment, but living life on your terms is not selfish. It's what we need, because if we live life on our terms, then our children learn to live life on their terms. And people stop feeling like they have to live the life that someone else has said they have to live, which means they can break through barriers of class or race or disability or gender, whatever. So I hope you found this helpful. Maybe you want to share your story of your inspiration or your mother even. If you found it helpful as before, please share on social media. I will catch you again soon. And as I said, I will be shortly announcing, announcing, not announcing, announcing a new course that I hope you will join me on. All right, take care and I'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye for now.